True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Well, hello and welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal and Renee. And we are coming to you tonight with a little bit different format. We are going to talk about Missy Beavers, of course, because she's our primary focus. But we're also going to talk about a different case that's extremely fascinating. And Renee, did you want to give us a little bit of an intro? Sure. Um, So many times in the past, um, me and Crystal, of course, talk all the time about, you know, the Missy Beavers case and, and other things as well. And, and many times she's told me um, she's talked about the Melanie McGuire case. And for whatever reason, I'd never heard of this case. I don't know how, somehow I missed it along the way. And so um, I do take, you know, as everybody knows, I do travel a lot. And one of my travels, I, we had like, I don't know, four or five hours. So I thought, let's find a good case to listen to. So we decided to listen to the Melanie Inquirer case. So I would know what the heck Crystal's been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So I I thought, let me just see what it is that she's talking about. So anyway, um, and and I get the dates, some of how confused, but I think I've got it right now. But anyway, on um, April 28, 2004, um, Melanie Inquirer's husband, Bill Inquirer, she said that... Men got into an argument. Um, they were fixing to close on a house and um, they fell asleep on the couch. And then they woke up and she had kind of like given in to uh, buying a house that she really didn't want. And um, so she says to him, Are you happy that you got your way? That you got the house you wanted? And he got mad at her and they got into an argument. And he takes, he slaps her across the face. She says, this is her story. She, he slaps her across the face. He stuffs a dryer sheet in her mouth. And she takes off running to the bathroom, locks herself inside. And she never, and she is, ne- didn't see her husband again. He took off, she thinks. So that's kind of the, the setting stage for the, the case against Melanie McGuire. So again, uh, later, of course, she is um, convicted of his murder because three suitcases end up showing up at the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Um, what the first su- suitcase was found April 30th of 2004, which is just a few days after he supposedly runs off. And then the second one, May 11th, and then the third one, May 15th. These are all about different people. So we're going to kind of talk about this case um, and all the yeah. different because, of course, it's another very complex case with lots of turns and twists. <laughs> you can say that again, yeah. And um, something else that's interesting about this case, there's so many things that are fascinating about it. Um, one of the things is, but what was really interesting to me is that those suitcases with her husband's body in them, they washed up on the shore at different times. And um, the first one, the first suitcase was found floating in the bay, actually, by a fisherman and this poor fisherman opens the suitcase apparently and he sees um bill mcguire's legs and we should have warned before we started that this is we're gonna say some pretty gruesome and graphic stuff just because it's hard to avoid it in this case 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's my warning. Sorry, I said blurted out something gruesome before <laughs> I warned. The second suitcase was discovered by a scientist who was walking on Fisherman's Island. And in that second suitcase out of the three was Bill McGuire's upper body. And then the third suitcase was pulled out of the bay and it contained Bill McGuire's lower, lower um, torso. So, um, and his remains, Bill's remains were wrapped in black trash bags and there was a blanket um, in one of the suitcases that was um, a match for the blankets in the medical clinic where she works. And um, Melody McGuire is a well-spoken mom, wife, mother of two little boys that she had with Bill McGuire. Um, their marriage was on the rocks and she's made no secret of that. People that knew them knew that they weren't getting along. And Melanie has been forthcoming after the murder and even after her conviction um, that they did not have a good marriage and that they were separating. Um, the only thing is we don't know how much of her story is true. Many people, including the prosecutor, they think that she's lying about the fight and lying about um, the entire thing is fabricated. Um, it's possible the fight happened and he left, but it doesn't sound possible to me because he ended up, the prosecutor's timeline has him being killed that night and, and by her. So if her story is accurate, it makes her look innocent because he took off and she has no idea where he went. But in her story, which is probably not true, um, is that she claims that, and the evidence, you know, showed that this didn't, doesn't add up because she was convicted based on him being killed that night. But she claims that he left and she never saw him again. And, but they did have sort of a, a confrontation that got physical. You know, um, one of the things that I think, you know, they always say that um, when, you know, when people tell a story, um, there's, you know, the, their side, the other side, and then somewhere in the middle. Well, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, and it's just obviously a theory because I don't know. But I'm thinking that maybe the, the fight did happen and that's what provoked her to shoot him. And then she was trying to figure out how to cover it up. And unless she had it planned, maybe she had it planned the whole time. And then this happened because, you know, I can just see somebody getting in an argument and she's like, she's trying to provoke it because she's just like, Oh, I guess you're happy. You got your way. You got your stupid house. I didn't even want it. This stupid house or whatever. And he's just like mad at her. So he just like slaps her across the face and crams a dryer sheet in her mouth. And she's like, you know what? She just shoots him. You know, I don't know. It's just a, you know, it's just a thought because that, Mm -hmm. that you know that part of that story could be true and that's the part of it that's true and then of course he didn't just take off that's the part where she you know kills him and then dismembers his body and then drives you know and dumps his body in the three suitcases over the bridge and then parks his car because she's seen on camera um getting out of one of his cars correct well yeah yeah exactly um she was okay so here's what happened she claims that she went to atlantic city well, i'm going to back up for a minute there's surveillance really really grainy surveillance video showing someone parking his car it's not clear who it is but you know apparently there's a timestamp, and 
it just sort of lines up. But here's the interesting part about the car parking. I mean, the prosecutors say that she planted his car out there because she had concocted this whole story about how he was a, um, a compulsive gambler and he went to Atlantic city when he could. And he wound up there that night after the fight. And she said she was so angry. Now here's the thing though. She did not come up with this story about her going to Atlantic city that night until the media reported that there was video of her, um, or her, on the easy pass freeway, there's a toll road and I'm sure people in New Jersey are laughing because I'm probably getting this wrong, but you know how we have the Dallas North tollway here and you've got the, you know, so apparently the easy pass is what's used. And the media was reporting that they had some proof that Melanie had gone across that bridge and was in Atlantic city. So after that, she starts telling the story about how she was so angry at him that night that she decided to drive to Atlantic city and she happened to find his car, which seems kind of unbelievable. That's what people are saying out exactly. of all the casinos and all the hotels. Yeah. You found his you, car. You found it. Yeah. I mean, how long would that take? Right. Yeah, and exactly. they, they were showing pictures of packed parking lots, which you can probably imagine it was at night. And so she finds his car supposedly, and she decides to mess with him. Okay. So she moves it from where it was at a casino and she moves it to the Flamingo Hotel. And then she claims that she took a cab back home. There was a pair. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say there was apparently no proof. They could not find any cab fares to um, corroborate her story that she had taken a cab. Now, what the prosecution states is that she went to Atlantic City to plant his car now here's the here's the interesting part though how did she get back if they couldn't find cab fare because even in the prosecutor's story wouldn't she need a ride back home yeah i mean and and there's a a couple places that i read that they think that there was somebody that definitely helped her Mm -hmm. because they think that it's impossible that she lifted these suitcases because they were too heavy um, over the bridge and into the water because other people tried to do the same thing and couldn't do it uh, successfully um, until they got it down to about 40 pounds. So, you know, here's, here's my know. question. Here's my question. Who would help her that she wouldn't rat them out? Oh, but then again, I guess never. Then it would, it would be, it would make her. Yeah. Like she would have never to mind. Yeah, if she had, yeah, a, yeah if she had an accomplice, yeah. of course she wouldn't point the finger at him because I'm sure that accomplice, if there is one, is shaking in their boots all the time though. Because once you've got somebody that you are working with on death row, I mean, not sorry, not death row, life in prison, then all bets are sort of off, you know. Yeah, that exactly. would make me really nervous. Yeah, and she tried to get the, um, she called to get the easy pass. She attempted to get it uh, removed, the 85 cent charge removed from her account history. And I found that interesting. I don't know how they found that out. I don't know if, um, you know, if she called or what. I don't know exactly how she did that, but that was in some of the yeah. information. That I did. So, yeah, I bet that, I bet that when they, you know, contacted easy pass to ask for any activity on her account, they had a customer service call, you know. And they right. noticed that. That's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, and and then the part about the car. Um, 
she's the, the, this is another thing that I find interesting is that so the day no two days after she says her husband ran off and you know he just left and took off whatever and she's just like I don't know he was mad so she goes and files a restraining order against him because she's so scared of him and she's just petrified you know he's gonna hurt her whatever then she goes and does this with the car right so now you're looking really stupid because you've said that he's so dangerous that you just petrified of him and you want a divorce and you're going to file a restraining order against him. But now you're going to go move his car just to make him upset. Right. Now that is the make sense. What if he walked out <laughs> and saw you or what if security, right. you know, had her on video there doing that and he found out, I mean, I would not, obviously, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, who would want to, intentionally antagonize someone that you're filing a restraining order against that makes you look really stupid yeah that doesn't make any sense you're scared of them but yet you're not so scared of them that you're going to go antagonize them and upset them make them mad even more mad because you moved their car yeah i mean and 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 her story just sounds so ridiculous i mean you really i mean who messes with someone by moving their car and and drives that far i mean i guess you could i mean i guess people do crazy things when they're emotional but you know it's very interesting the timing of her story she didn't tell that until after the media reported that they had some proof that she had been across the bridge then that's when she started saying that let's don't forget to tell everybody that this is a seven hour drive oh yeah that's important yeah seven hour drive like okay if i'm gonna mess with somebody which i'm not gonna do something like that but if i'm going to do it it's not gonna be seven hours because that that's just i mean seven hours is a long trip at that point it's messing with me not them (laughs) exactly i mean who's got seven hours to just oh let's just take a long trip to go mess with somebody and then and then the, the the taxi seven hour taxi yeah that's bizarre that would be really expensive and there would surely be a record of it But who knows? How yeah. hard is it to get a record of an independent cab? You know, that's also, I don't know how those records are kept. I don't know anything about that, especially in another state, New Jersey. I mean, I don't know if they're required to keep records that police, I mean, how would they even know which cab company? I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, I don't know how connected that information is, if it's connected at all, you know. Yeah. Um, and what about... Um, what about the, uh, I don't know if you heard this part about the, there was polish, like fingernail polish found on one of the trash bags. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't, they said that they didn't, they were not able to trace it back to a particular bottle, but that certainly does point to a female being involved. And they said that the trash right. bags that he was wrapped in um, matched the trash bags that she had, that they had in the home. The blanket, like I was saying earlier, matched the blankets in her office. I mean, the evidence is starting to really pile up against Melanie. And um, I remember, I remember at the time when police, um, they had, uh, they, to help identify the victim who didn't have any ID, you know, there was no identification in those suitcases. So it's really cool how cops can do this. And I'll, I'll put this on our Instagram um, and our, we can put it on Facebook as well in case people aren't familiar with this case and haven't seen it. Police d- had a sketch done trying to recreate what the victim looked like. And they yes, had a, they did a police sketch. And as soon as it was, you know, released to the public, one of Bill McGuire's old Navy buddies recognized him right away and picked up the phone and called authorities. So Bill McGuire gets identified and guess who didn't um, 
surprise, surprise. Guess who did not report him as missing? Melanie. <laughs> he has, she says, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen him. We were in, we got in a fight, whatever. Oh, and, and something yeah, else. She filed for divorce while he was missing. Right. I know. And that, I mean, it's like, I don't even know how, I mean, honestly, I have to give um, defense attorneys credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't defend them. I would be like, your story sounds stupid and I can't defend you. Well, I know. I'd be like, are you serious right now? <laughs> well, and also check this out. John Topic. Topic. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to look his name up. I thought I had it down. I used to say it all the time back when he was in the news. But I think it's Tacopino because it actually looks like, or actually Tacopina. It's like taco and then pina. Joseph Takapina. Go ahead. All right. I'm just looking it up to make sure. Yep, you're right. Joseph, I mean, I knew Joe Takapina. You're right. Okay. Just wanted to get that straight so I won't keep saying it ridiculously. But anyway, um, he was her defense attorney. And um, boy, what a job, right? Well, anyway, check this out. There's even more evidence of it against um, Melanie, quite a bit more. They have a receipt, and we can also post this as well. Guess what Melanie purchased 48 hours before Bill McGuire goes missing? She bought a gun. And guess what the gun does? It matches the caliber of gun that was used in his murder. They were able to quickly determine medical examiners could see that he had been shot twice. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I listened to a podcast, like I was telling you this podcast on the way um, home a few days ago. And one of the things that these ladies were were uh, trying to, um, I guess, defend her in ways that this this case wasn't correct uh, was, and I don't know how to correctly say this. So for anybody that knows more about this than I do, please don't laugh at me because I don't know what I'm saying. But I I understand what they're saying. I just don't know how to word it. But anyway, so like I know that a lot of things, like for instance, bullets have you know, different, um, what was it? The guy explained it like this, the, the kind of like the fingerprints of the bullet, mm-hmm. you know, like your fingerprints are different, everybody's different. Well, every bullet, I guess, has different, you know, markings mm-hmm. or whatever. And they said that her gun had only five, um, maybe grooves or something. I don't know how to explain it. But, and the one that shot him had six. So I don't really know how to explain that because I think she's completely guilty. I don't see how she could not be guilty, but maybe somebody out there knows can explain that that one because, you know, and I don't know how accurate that is, but I found that interesting. So I don't know um, exactly what could cause that or, you know, and and she purchased this gun from a place called John's gun and tackle room in Easton, Pennsylvania. And they were saying that, um, that it was it matched it's called a Taurus uh, 38 special that she purchased and apparently mm-hmm. it was consistent with you know what they think was used to kill him of course and um, right. she purchases it 48 hours before his death I mean before his disappearance slash death and you know when she has a story for everything she's pretty smooth she's very articulate she's very well spoken yeah, yeah. and yeah. she had another story to explain that she can explain all this stuff it's funny um right. i mean you know as people are saying that's a sign that she's a narcissist she can so smoothly lie and or a psychopath you know and just not even look like you're lying 
Well, she said the way she explained the gun was, oh, yeah, Bill said that he wanted a gun and he has a felony on his report. Apparently, he has a horrible driving record and he had received multiple, I guess, maybe even reckless driving. I don't know. But apparently he had so many tickets. I didn't realize that driving could get you into the felony status, but I guess he had so many tickets pile up. Maybe he wasn't taking care of them. I don't have any details on that, but maybe it was reckless driving. I don't know. But apparently at some point that turned into a felony charge after he needed to have an attorney to help him. He was losing his license, basically about to lose his driver's license. So she said that he couldn't get a gun. So she decided to go get him one because she wanted it to at least be a registered gun that was purchased legally. So she was going to buy it for him. Right. I remember reading that. And what's so interesting about the reason that he wanted this gun is because, so he owns a 2002 Nissan, blue Nissan Maxima. And apparently the headlights for this Nissan Maxima are super popular, expensive, or there's some something inside the headlight that is, um, can be used. I don't know if they can sell it to make money or something like that, but apparently the headlights on his Nissan Maxima were stolen, not once, not twice, but five times. Mm. So apparently that was what she said was probably the reason why he wanted the gun was because his lights had been stolen five times, <laughs> which I mean, nothing else happened. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that sucks that somebody sold your headlights, but I'm, I just don't see somebody going, that's it. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's weird. I've never had I've my headlights stolen. Isn't that bizarre? that is bizarre like five it almost times? sounds like someone's messing weird. with you yeah well you know what and and somebody made a good point in, in one of the podcasts because i think i listened to two different ones and said something like um well how did this you know how did these uh, how do you get away with this five times it sounds to me like you've let somebody know or something like, you know mm-hmm. like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna notice that you're out there stealing these go ahead and do it and then i'll fix it and, or do an insurance claim right. or whatever and then do it again right. <laughs> you know weird but yeah so that was that was her reason for or her you know reason well he probably wanted it because of that like okay. yeah that's really wild <laughs> that is wild. like you said she has an answer for right everything. right and there is surveillance video that does look like her where um prosecutors are saying that that photo shows her entering a pharmacy to buy an american express gift card which she later used to express mail a package to prosecutors. And the package contained a letter suggesting that she, Melanie McGuire, was being framed for Bill's murder. And we'll get into that in a little bit because the letter that, sh- that was delivered is just classic. Um, it's actually almost funny if this weren't such a sad case, I would be laughing at it. Um, so let's see. There was something else I was wanting to mention. Oh, and there was a prescription that was written on the. Okay, so Melanie worked for a fertility doctor. She was a fertility nurse in a clinic. And the doctor there has obviously has a pad for prescriptions. And Melanie apparently forged a prescription for a medicine that can knock you out. And right now I've lost control of the name of it. Do you have it handy, Renee? Okay, I I lost it in all my notes. It's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, this particular medication, I'll find it before the podcast is over. This particular medication 
she had written. So the theory is that the prosecution's theory is that she used this illegally obtained prescription to get her husband drowsy, maybe put it in his drink or something. And then when he got drowsy enough, she shot him. And then she dismembered him, which is just crazy. And the prosecutors also say that she drained his blood because they could tell when he was in the suitcases. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Okay, so I found it. Chloral hydrate. Chloral hydrate. That's it. Oh, and here's something else that we didn't mention, as if we don't already have a tremendous mountain of evidence against Melanie McGuire. Um, (laughs) She admitted, because I think she realized she couldn't deny it because they had some proof, but those suitcases she admitted had come from her her and Bill's house. And they they were living in a rental, by the way. They had literally just closed on their new house and were about to move in when he got killed. And, and she, remember she said, yeah, I, 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 that looks like our suitcases, but you know, the suitcases were in his vehicle because we were moving. And then they said, well, um, these trash bags, whatever, you know, came from your house. And she's like, yeah, well, he had trash bags in the vehicle because we were moving. So everything was in his vehicle because they were moving. Right, right. Yeah. She was good. She had an answer <laughs> for everything. And some of these things, yeah, maybe it's true, but. Most of them sound totally silly, but a forensic handwriting analyst hired by the prosecution said that the signature of the doctor she worked for, Dr. Bradley Miller, who we haven't mentioned this part yet, was also her lover. We'll get back to that. was forged on his prescription pad. Oh, yes. Here we go. The chloral hydrate was obtained. And get this. Melanie gets this prescription filled on the day, the last day that Bill McGuire was seen alive. No, another coincidence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Like how? I just, I mean, at this point, I would be like, man, I must. I really thought I did a good job, but I really screwed up. So I'm guilty. I'm <laughs> exactly. gonna go do my. I would have just <laughs> folded, but nope. Melanie McGuire <laughs> is arrogant enough to think she can explain all this away, and just go ahead and be on trial and get away with this and so she was having an affair and the prosecution this was what they saw as their motive as the motive of not only did they have a bad marriage you know bill and melanie but also she was in an affair with the doctor she worked for and it wasn't just a casual affair um just a convenient thing they actually were planning a future together and she wasn't just misunderstanding this because on the stand when the doctor, um, when Bradley testified, he said that he was in love with her and that he was planning to leave his wife and she was going to leave Bill and they were going to eventually have a, a future together, but they did not have any immediate plans of that. And when Takapina um, cross-examined him, he was careful to point that out. He asked the doctor, he said, did you have any immediate plans? Did you tell her you were leaving your wife and you would move in together soon? And he said, absolutely not. There was really no concrete plan at that point. 
they just were both in love right. and hopeful that that would happen. But you want to know it's really gross if we're going to be honest. She was like eight months pregnant while they were having a physical active she affair in the office. Yeah. Yeah. She and and I think that that one of the interviews that I heard was of her actually talking and she she has this like if you've never heard her, you have to Google it or um, go on YouTube and look it up. Cause there's a couple interviews with her. She's got a very soft kind of, I don't know. I kind of find it kind of creepy mm-hmm. voice because she's just like, yeah, I know it was a bad decision to do that. And eight months pregnant, blah, 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 you know, but it happens, you know, whatever. <laughs> she's yeah. And her like, demeanor is always just mm-hmm. like, I just can't believe this happened and that I'm being blamed for it. Can you believe that? I mean, I know like just unbelievable that everybody thinks I did this, you know, but of course, you know, she had a ton of people on her, you know, that um, testified on her behalf, talking about what a great doctor she was, how they helped her, how they helped them, um, you know, with their fertility issues and that she called and checked on them and that she was super like, you know, just so sweet, caring, kind, compassionate, you know, and all this. And so there's just no way she could have done something like this. I mean, she, she had a ton of people that, and I guess they thought that was going to work, but I mean, again, you look at all this stuff that we're sitting here mentioning, just the things that we've mentioned. I'm sure there's, there's several things we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, I don't, I just don't think that you're going to get past all this stuff. This is too much. There's too much against you. I mean, you, you got to talk about unlucky. If you're really innocent, man, you are really, really yeah, and, and, and you, you know that she was not expecting those um, suitcases to become, to be found. Yeah. She thought they were going to, yeah. She thought that because didn't, didn't they yeah, have I was going to say them? the one, the second one that washed up on Fisherman's Island had a weight in it. That's the only one they mentioned having a weight in it. Maybe it's because um, whatever, part of him was in there wasn't as heavy i don't know but that's the only one they mentioned that's the yeah. only weight they've recovered so or that they've mentioned anyway i should say but you know it's really interesting it says in april 2004 i'm reading an, an article let's see on i want to make sure i give it credit on oxygen.com um it's they just it's funny the way they word this because it sounds like what is what are you so upset about but apparently they just didn't get along well and she wanted to be with this doctor and that's apparently her motive but it says in april 2004 melanie and bill mcguire seemed to have it all successful careers two young sons and a new five hundred thousand dollar home in 2004 five hundred thousand dollar home was really really nice i mean it'd be nice now but i'm just saying back then even more so um and then obviously things aren't what they look like um, because, you know, fast forward three years, she's in life and pr- serving life in prison for killing him. Pretty unbelievable. Um, but she's not a stupid yeah. person. She's, um, she was stupid to do this, but overall she was pretty intelligent. She was born in 1972, grew up in suburban New Jersey. She went to Rutgers university and she had a double major there in math and psychology in 1994. She went to nursing school it doesn't say it in this article, but she was like third in her class in nursing school. Nursing school is difficult, you know, uh, maybe it's second in her class, something yeah. high up there. Um, and then anyway, so Bill was in the Navy and he worked as a adjunct professor. And also um, he was a technical person. He, yeah, computer analyst, thank you. 
So anyway, yeah. Um, oh, and here's something interesting. Apparently they were both, Bill was married when they got together, but he was separated and he had another girlfriend. So there was kind of, they kind of started off dramatic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So anyway, just kind of interesting that something like this could happen and that she would risk her freedom, risk never getting to raise her children that she apparently was crazy about uh, to kill this person. And here's the thing, you know, we were talking earlier about them having an argument or maybe not having an argument that night. The prosecution thinks it's all made up because there was so much pre-planning done. You know, there's no way that you, after looking at this, that you can say this wasn't premeditated. You know, in Missy's case, we, we say that, but wow, in Melanie's case, we have proof that this had been, this had been very well thought out, even though she got caught, but there was a lot of thought that went into it and a lot of planning. I mean, planting that car seven hours away, uh, concocting a story. Oh, and this is something we haven't talked about yet. She said that he had a gambling um, problem, but what we haven't talked about yet is she was saying that he had gotten crossways with some mobster guys because of his gambling debt. It makes me laugh. Mobster guys. Like, okay. Yeah. So these fictitious mobsters and his sister who he was really close to and a bunch of other people are like, he didn't have any relationships with mobsters. What are you talking about? I mean, that doesn't even come close. And, and then, um, apparently they couldn't find any evidence that he had ever even interacted with these types of shady characters or whatever that she was implying. But I tell you what, if if we could, I have two favorite things about this case, and if you can say evidence is your favorite, um, one of my favorites is physical evidence. That you know we talked about this. The next two things I'm going to mention, they don't get mentioned on the shows about this case. And I was talking to my husband about that before we started recording. And I guess the reason why those TV shows that you know, that would featured her case. I guess they didn't want to put this out there because if there's not any mystery or intrigue about who did it, then I guess the show's a lot more boring. Cause you're kind of like, why they do a show about this? It's obviously it was her. So that's the only reason I can come up with as to why most of the TV shows did not mention these two things. One of them, right. one of them. Now this did get mentioned on forensic files, by the way, on her episode and the name of the, the episode gives it away. It's called human sawdust. <laughs> and I don't mean Lying. to laugh because it's horrible, but I'm just laughing because it's completely ridiculous that, that we're even talking about this. Cause it's just unbelievable that this woman could do this or that anyone could do this. But yeah. apparently Ooh. she had the prosecution says that uh, this is hard to say. So if you've got sensitive ears, it's time to turn this completely off. But apparently she had dismembered him with a saw and there was, and she had drained his blood before that. And apparently down the drain and the prosecutors, you know, you and I talked about how can you not leave evidence behind? And they prosecutors believe it happened in their rental home that they were about to move out of because they had just closed on their new house. They were in a rental home, a townhouse townhouse. And prosecutors think that it happened in the bathroom and she drained his blood down the shower uh they have a big walk-in shower it looks like from the pictures and she just at being a nurse she knew how to do this she knew how to drain his blood 
and she knew how to clean it up and had the right kind of chemicals to put down in the pipes. Apparently it's really crazy that she could get away with this. But my favorite piece of evidence is after she saws him up, apparently there was dust particles and it was his tissue that she had walked through and the tissue, you know, I guess like bone tissue and skin tissue, very fine, like sawdust on the bottom of her shoes. And that night when she went to go um, plant his car, she had tracked some of that into his car. So around the gas, you know, the gas pedal and stuff is where they found this because they obviously confiscated his car when they found it. And when they searched for evidence, they found this, this dust and it ended up being her poor husband, um, dust from his body. So that's pretty just incredible. They actually have a picture of, uh, I guess what they, maybe what they showed under a microscope or something. It says tiny pieces of flesh were found on the floor mats of William McGuire's sedan. A medical examiner said microscopic analysis. Yeah. So that's what it is. Showed the material was not sloughed off through normal skin cell death, but removed through disease or trauma. I read that today too. That is insane. So yeah, there's proof yeah. that, like you said, this, you know, cause we're all have dust. I mean, let's sort of like our dry skin sort of sloughing off all day, every day. And yeah, they're saying it wasn't right. that it wasn't by natural causes that that dust was there. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so then my other favorite piece of evidence is a letter that we discussed a little bit earlier because they have a picture of a surveillance picture of her going into a, a store to buy a gift card that she used to mail stuff to the district attorney's office. And this is pretty amazing. I'm sorry, the office of the attorney general, I take it back. And it is a letter that is supposedly from one of the mobsters. And it's pretty amazing because first of all, it's extremely long. This letter is long and rambling. And I'm willing to bet if a gangster ever did want to write a letter, number one, he wouldn't write a letter trying to make someone look innocent that is being blamed for something he did. And then number two, I doubt it would be long and rambling in the manner that this letter is. I would think a gangster would be pretty short and sweet, right? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I, I mean, those right. guys earn their livings off of not talking, off not saying much. But anyway, this letter is pretty funny. Um, she says stuff to the, she actually says things like, um, well, she starts it off. I won't read the whole thing, but this one letter says your office and the media have reflected on the life and death of William T. McGuire. And you've made it obvious that you intend to prosecute his wife. You and the media have exalted him as a decent person and a victim. He was a victim. All right. Of his greed, his big ego and his even bigger mouth. <laughs> okay. So this gangster is supposedly upset that the attorney general's office is looking at the wife. Now that doesn't make any sense. They would be happy about that. <laughs> that would be, yeah, they would be happy about, they would be like, yeah, we're not going to get you right. know in trouble. And, and I think the funniest thing is, is as this letter unfolds, the person who's writing it, which the prosecution believes is Melanie, the person goes into discussing their relationship. And 
What gangster that's so angry with a guy that owes them money is going to write a super long letter and then also scold him for not treating his wife very well? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it is how, ridiculous. It is. I mean, how so can she not see this? And and she goes, "Well, we'll post well, this. I'll try to find a better version. The one I've been looking at has some kind of weird um, formatting issues. We'll try to find a good version of this to put online so people can laugh." I have one that's the same way. It has yeah. formatting issues, so it's kind of I can read it, but it's like weird. So I don't yeah. really understand that. Maybe we must be looking at the uh, same one. I don't know. Why. And then, um, yeah. I mean, it's just very long and rambling. And it wasn't this case, but it was the Jean Benet Ramsey case where there was a long letter written also that was supposedly from some shady characters that were kidnapping Jean Benet Ramsey. And, you know, I see a lot of similarities here. And the main similarity is that if a bad guy is going to write a letter um, to authorities or to someone, if they're kidnapping the child, it's not going to be a long rambling letter and another thing that both of those letters have in common is that they both take digs at the husbands um you remember in the john benet ramsey letter there's one part that says don't try to grow a brain john so that's implying that john's not very sharp yeah well this one has a lot of stuff that's pretty insulting toward bill mcguire and then as you read and read and read it just it's so long and so rambling and it, it just looks like it was written by a woman and not to be sexist against my own gender, but there's just certain differences between men and women that are usually true statistically. And one of them is that if a man writes a letter, it's pretty short and sweet. Now, of course, there's exceptions to all of this stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about probabilities and, you know, the norm. And if a woman writes a letter, it tends to be a little wordier. That's true with emails. The other day I had to write um, and ask a question of a, um, mortgage person and I wrote a couple of paragraphs so he wrote back they're going to be fine <laughs> and I showed it to my, my husband because he always talks about that how women write and write and write and write, write and men are just cut to the chase and it was it's that was a great example and well and it's the same way with talking like you know I know when I tell a story I have to tell the story before the story <laughs> to explain the story. And my husband's just like, oh, my God, hurry up. <laughs> and then when they tell a story, they're just like, yeah, I, I came over here and did this. And that's the end of it. And you're like, well, what happened before that? I'm well, like, what happened how did after? you even get there? Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. a friend in college. I had a friend in college yeah. that um, I had, you know, had a conversation with someone that she was interested in. She goes, tell me everything from high to bye. But that's how girls, that's how women are. It's like, we want to hear the whole thing. Like we're not bored. Yeah. You know, tell me the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know what happened before because that leads up to where right. you're at now. And then we can understand everything. But if we don't know the before we're, we're just like, I'm so confused. Yeah. How'd you even get there? Exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't just pick up before everything yeah. got crazy. I want to hear how, what built up to it. Right. Yeah. And, and that explains the, the differences between men and women because, you know, um, they just, my husband will just start talking. He'll just say, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? And he'll repeat himself. And I'm like, no, I heard you, but I don't know what right, you're talking right. about. <laughs> and he'll just go, well, da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, well, just out of the blue, you said that. And I was just so confused because I didn't know what you were talking about. So see, I would have said three days ago. Right. <laughs> this happened and then this happened and then now I'm explaining why I'm 
pointing over here to the sign and it says xyz right. you know whatever so then you would completely understand the right. whole situation right well and, and also i so yeah Right. Well, and also one. in the JonBenet Ramsey case, when they were talking about the letter, they the FBI had said that in the history of the FBI, um, every letter they had always had ever gotten that was a ransom letter was mm-hmm. something like, like the the letter in the JonBenet Ramsey case was like six times longer than the longest letter they'd ever gotten, or something like that. Just. When, when, when men had, you know, when kidnappers had written them in the past, that's just not what the letters look like. And, you know, it just screamed when you read the John Bonet Ramsey letter. And when you read the letter in Melanie McGuire's case, it just screams female who is upset. Okay. Yep. You can tell two things. Yep. This is a female and she was very upset. I mean, here's another part, I guess, I guess I didn't realize there was several letters or unless this is just a different part of it, but here's another part of it that totally sounds like a woman to me. She's this person says, I'm taking the liberty of sending this to the media. <laughs> okay. In case you want to close your eyes to the same as you have everything else in this case, like seriously, I'm sending it to the wife's lawyer. The way the articles read last year, it made it seem like his arms were cut off. They weren't. He was wearing nothing but purple briefs when you found him. And I guess this is supposed to be proof that this is right. the person that killed him. Ever figure out where the weights came from? Now do you believe me? I mean, if like, I was seriously? reading that, I'd be like, okay, I, Melanie, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds exactly like right. it's coming from her. I mean, it's coming from the person that killed him and it's coming from her. And that just, I don't, it's just crazy that people, I mean, on one hand, you know, they refer to her as being super smart. And I and I, I'm sure she was smart in her field of work, um, and and probably in other ways. But I feel like this showed her complete ignorance, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because she didn't just f up once. Excuse me, she didn't mess up just once. She messed up like twelve <laughs> yeah. times. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty. That's incredible. just crazy. When you look at the totality of this. I'm like, where's the mystery? Because I watched, um, just to kind of refresh my memory, because I, I watched this very closely, as you know, when it was actually unfolding way back then. But I watched it on court TV. Right. And I remember I was telling you, I said, I watched it on court TV and it was glued to it. And then court TV went off the air soon afterwards. I was so disappointed. Um, that was a long time ago. It's back now. Thank goodness. But anyway, but yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I watched a video, though, earlier to refresh my memory. And um, it was on YouTube, if anyone wants to look it up. It was pretty interesting. I watched the Dateline Mystery Show, and there's also 48 Hours Mystery. And, of course, they're very similar, and they use some of the same clips. Um, But, I mean, honestly, though, where's the mystery, right? I mean, this isn't a a mystery to me. No, it's definitely not a mystery. And you know something else I just thought about? Okay, so the... the, um one of the things that she said, the reason the suitcases were in the car is because they were moving. Okay. So, I mean, I get it like towards the end of my packing, I'll take my suitcases and put like some, you know, random things from the bathroom or random things from my closet or whatever in it, just because why leave an empty something, a suitcase that can obviously hold things that you can move, but they were in the, in the vehicle and they were empty. And then there was trash bags. Like, well, why did you put the suitcases in there empty 
wouldn't you have had put stuff well, in them? And, and if it really was you know? a mobster that killed him, I mean, she makes these mobsters sound pretty cartoonish, but people who really are in the mafia, are they going to have such a poorly planned murder that they're going to be like, well, thank goodness the victim had blankets and trash bags in the car and his suitcases. We wouldn't have known what to do. He came, he was... We, we're so glad this <laughs> I mean, just so came good with for all us. the stuff that we needed it was pretty cool yeah the, the guy we wanted to murder had yeah. everything we needed just right there yeah because i mean you typically murder somebody you know because you're mad at them they're at a casino and you're like oh there he is let's get him and then let's go look in his car and see if he has anything we can right. use to I get mean, rid of his why, body why not be yeah why not look in his car for that it's so silly so, yeah. And also something about those letters, speaking of mobsters being cartoonish, she's trying to sound like a mobster talking and she says some pretty ridiculous stuff. Like in one part, she goes, now the wife. Oh, here we go. And my husband always used to impersonate this back in the day and it cracked me up because it sounds like <laughs> Joe Pesci in like, you know, my cousin Vinny. Listen to this. He says, and the wife. I got nothing for the wife or against her. But <laughs> like she's trying to talk like a gangster like something she saw on tv or whatever i mean like they're gonna write it exactly like they and talk. Listen to this. don't get me wrong i'm not going for sainthood myself but it's just funny these lines i can just hear joe pesci saying them in my mind when i read them I mean, this whole case mm -hmm. is just silly. And to think that there's people out there saying that she shouldn't have been convicted. Now, there are cases I feel that way about, and they're tragic. But do you see any, do you see any little opening in here that she could I, be innocent? I don't see anything. I mean, even that one little thing that I told you about earlier. Well, actually, and then, the, of course, the lady saying, you know, that she couldn't lift the suitcase, you know, because it was too heavy or whatever but you know they, they're not taken into account in my opinion i think you you noted this to me earlier or maybe i read it i don't know that they drained her blood i drained she drained his blood from his body so that's yeah. obviously gonna make I, him i think i sent you that in heavy messenger when we were chatting earlier i was saying that yeah, yeah i mean if you cut someone in third and i mean a third of a person who's had all their blood drained in a suitcase that's probably not all that heavy and that's really, that's really gross to say, but yeah, yeah, that's what I was telling you today is that, I mean, people who say that it was too heavy. I mean, would it really be though? I mean, well, somebody was trying to guess at the weight of this person's torso and they were saying, and I don't know how they're basing this on because obviously everybody's different. Everybody's proportion mm -hmm. completely different, but they were trying to say that, that they were going to be conservative and say that it was 80 pounds, but it's more towards mm -hmm. 94 pounds okay so 94 pounds and, and it's 80 and she couldn't lift it <clears throat> i mean i don't know it just it just doesn't make any sense to me that you can even come close to guessing what the weight of his i mean unless they weighed it after they got it you know out of the out of the bay you know, I don't know, but she was trying to say that it was just absolutely impossible because they tried to recreate it. So they took weights and put it in a suitcase and they literally went somewhere and she tried, this girl tried to lift it, you know, up to a certain point to get it like mm -hmm. over a rail 
And I guess they measured that. They did like a whole recreation thing. And she couldn't, she couldn't even begin to get it that far until she got to the 40 pound mark. They kept taking weights out of it until they got to the 40 pound. And that's when she could lift it up a little bit. So, I mean, I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Cause I think that if you want to do something bad enough, you'll well, and out a away. detective in the you trial know? testified that the guardrail right there on that Chesapeake Bay bridge, where they believe that the suitcases were thrown over mm-hmm. that that guardrail on that mm-hmm. bridge right there is 31 inches high. And there's a little place where you can pull over there. Um, and that's an inch higher than the largest suitcase that was carrying the victim's remains. So, yeah. I know. not even that that high up. So, I mean, and they have they have the. I, I'm assuming maybe I don't. Yeah, I would I would think they would have them. That you know the handles that extend out. Yeah. I mean, and you could use any number of those things to well you know, move it up. And I mean, yes, I don't know. There's all kinds know of ways. She did not did have. Now, this is assuming there was no accomplice. There might have been a big muscular guy doing this, no problem. But let's say there's no accomplice. I mean, you know how adrenaline is. She could have just slung him over there. I mean, knowing that oh, she had yeah. to get out of there quickly, because you know, you know, they say like women, like moms, can lift a car that's on their kid or whatever out of adrenaline. Yep. So who knows? Yeah. And that's, this is a pretty, obviously uh, a big deal. You don't want to get caught. And so you got to get it in there quickly. You don't have all day to be trying to lift it up and be all like, Oh, I can't lift it. You know? So, but yeah, even with those two little things, I, I don't see anything that you could even remotely, you know, that even remotely. Exactly. And you know, we've talked in the past about there's cases where they can match trash bags, not just like, Oh yeah, it's the same brand that she had. But like, you know, it matches the patterns um, of the time that they were manufactured so they could tell it came from the same box or one of a few boxes. And they experts said in the trial that the patterns and the dye lines in the bag and the trash bags in her house prove that they were manufactured in the same factory and on the same production line as the ones that Bill McGuire's body was found in. So that's pretty damning evidence, too. It's just if any of if this was. If there was only one of these things true, you might be able to explain it away. But there's right. a pile of them, you know. There is a there's a list, a long mm-hmm. list, and that's why I was when I, when I listened to this case because I was expecting it to be one of those cases where she was convicted, but you know there wasn't any evidence, and maybe maybe it was just because they couldn't figure out anybody else that could have done it. So she got you know, and then I listened to it, I was just shocked. I was like, wow this lady did it. And then, and then to have people like trying to, you know, prove her innocence. I'm like, man, you got a job. <laughs> You're going to be you busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here's fun. something else I'd kind of, I, you know, there was a lot of details I'd sort of forgotten about from the original trial. And here's one of them. I, I do remember it now that I've seen it, but I don't know if we talked about this earlier today, but there's an FBI agent who specializes in video analysis. He testified in the in the courtroom that a grainy surveillance tape of the Atlantic city motel parking lot shows an SUV pulling in behind the victim sedan. And this, this FBI Mm. uh, agent said that the FBI, uh, the SUV is such a grainy. I mean, there's a, there's uh, still shots of the grainy video in here and I'm on, uh, I'm on murderpedia and it is very grainy, but what they're saying is they can tell that it's a uh, SUV and it shares a lot of the same characteristics as the defendant's, um, Melanie McGuire's Nissan Pathfinder. So 
you know, it's not, it's not definitive, mm, okay. but it's just one more thing that doesn't look good. And how did she, is this, are you talking about when she when, planted the car? Um, when she, yeah. So how did somebody right. had to be driving because her car though? You can't drive two cars. So she either, I remember back then thinking, well, that's wacky, but I think the one theory that I think they were going with back in the day was that she, she drove his car there and then she took a cab all the way home. And then wait a minute though. Why would she come back with her pathfinder? She would get yeah. her car there first, wouldn't okay. she? And then go back home and then to yes. his and then yes, drive yes. hers home. So that's, yes, you're right. So either that's what happened or she had an accomplice you know follow her out there yeah which is easy either one but you know obviously if she's still maintaining her innocence she can't ever you know she can't ever say anything about the the other person who would be an accomplice to that if so what if one of your buddies was like hey renee um i chopped my husband up into several pieces and I need you to help me get the suitcases over the Chesapeake Bay. And I'm also going to need you to follow me out to Atlantic City. It's seven hours each way to, I need to plan his car there to make it look like he was abducted or murdered there. Are you, are you available? <laughs> I'm going to be like, um, well, I would go tell the police. Sure. Let me get back to you. And then I'd call you know, the police, you know? <laughs> Right, I'd be like, I mean, hey, I, I got a call. Hey, on, some shady character, like she's implying that would kill Bill. Maybe she actually knew some shady character she could pay to do that. I don't know. But what about this? I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering if, like, she told the the guy that she was having the affair with, you know, hey, I need your help with this because I want to be with you, and I can't with him because he's going to take my kids away. So I'm going to need you, and if you don't do it, then I'm going to. That's interesting. But you know what's crazy is that that the doctor, I'm glad you brought this up because two people who testified um, in the case, I'd sort of already alluded to it that the doctor had admitted that he was in love with her and having an affair with her. And then the other person, and, and he was bugged by the prosecution and bugged by the police. And he talked to Melanie and you know the phones were tapped i should have said they were bugged and he was saying i mean he was saying stuff like hey listen did you do this so he helped get her put away or was trying to and she said that just broke her heart right she still loved him and then the yeah Yeah. you remember that and then how about the other guy um who was a guy that she was friends with in school in nursing school and he had apparently a big crush on her and his name was Jim Flynn, Jim Finn, I'm sorry, Finn, F-I-N-N. And he ended up getting really belligerent with her. He was screaming at her. He's like, Melanie, tell me right now, did you do this? What did you have to do with? But apparently yeah. she was good. She didn't crack. I don't know if she knew that her lines were being were bugged or if she suspected they might be, but she did not admit anything to anyone. So it's just kind of hard for me to, I mean, as far as we know, she's never breathed a word of this to anyone. So it's hard for me to sort of conceptualize that she concocted a scheme that involves another person, you know? 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm struggling with that though. Cause she hasn't cracked and hasn't told anybody and has maintained her story. Oh, and that's, that's another thing. And, and you mentioned that just reminded me um, that one of the, uh, the, uh, in the defense, they were saying that, um, hang on, I might be getting confused with what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, her story it, she she repeated her story the same over and over and over and she mm-hmm. never changed her story and so that they tend to think that her story is true but I mean if I tell you a story and I say you know last Friday I went to the store and got something at Walmart and it was around 8 p.m and I left there around nine I came home I unloaded my groceries I sat down and watched you know a TV show for about 30 minutes. And then I went to bed at 10 PM. I mean, if I said that three or four times, I pretty, I'm pretty sure I could continue saying that. And I'm sure she's said the story. That doesn't convince me just because she said the same story over and over, because if she continues saying it, I mean, heck she could even in prison, she could even write it down Mm -hmm. and just look at it every single day. Well, eventually you're going to, and then especially if she believe, you know, you can actually start believing it. I mean, that doesn't convince me that she's innocent just because she continues saying the same thing. No, me neither. And that was one of the things that people were like, you know, well, you know, the people that are trying to help her get off or, you know, her appeal, they're like, well, she's been saying the same thing for, you know, however many years it's been 13 years now, Mm -hmm. 16 years. But me neither, because obviously she, um, she has, the ability to keep her story straight in that way. But I just, you know, I shouldn't say I wish she didn't do this because I'm glad she got caught because I think she's guilty, but I'm sure she wishes that she had not have written the silly, the letter uh, from the supposed mobster because those mistakes were huge and make her look super, super guilty. I mean, did she honestly think they were going to read those and go, Oh, Right, she right. And then there's let her go. One, <laughs> yeah, and, and there's points in so stupid. one of the letters where she literally is scolding. I mean, she sounds like she's scolding Bill for the way the mobster is scolding Bill for the way he treats her. Do you really think a mobster is gonna take the time? And how would a mobster, and why would he care? Yeah, how I would mean, he even if know you that anyway. someone you're really gonna tell the attorney general's office that you're just really disappointed in the way he treats his wife. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, there aren't many guys that go that call their friends and go, mm-hmm. "Listen, are you being mean to your wife? Have you, you know, been like mm-hmm. spending time with her?" Guys aren't like that. I mean, they—that's just not the way they are. I'm not saying that there's not any in the world because I'm sure there are, but typically, men are not, you know, emotional like that. They're like, they're really oh, man, so supposedly nice. the mobster says this <laughs> in the letter. So why write this? Well, I can tell you now to abandon the print analysis and even analysis of the type. So what also, you know, there was handwriting analysis used on the prescription that she supposedly forged. She allegedly forged. So she's just sort of telling them not to do handwriting analysis or type analysis for this thing that she typed up and it's just funny oh here we go 
Um, another part of the letter that's really funny is she said, because Billy Mac, okay, apparently this mobster has a nickname for Bill McGuire. Billy Mac brought everything that was needed to do him and more. Not on purpose, of course, but it was easier than anyone could believe. And the fight with his old lady, probably he saved her life leaving her that morning, even if all he was doing was looking to get the blank out of Dodge for a few days. I'm guessing you didn't find any of his cell phones, the ones that weren't traceable anyway. The point of it is it was necessary. If she was with him, she would have gone and done the same as him. I mean, blah, blah, blah. It's very rambling. And Rick, I mean, imagine a a mobster who just killed a guy. (laughs) Sitting down and writing this, how many paragraphs is this this letter? There's another letter too, which I couldn't find anymore, which makes me sad. I'll keep looking, but back you know back when this was going on, the letters were on the internet, but now they're like they're dead links and stuff. Okay, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen paragraphs, and some of them are quite lengthy. That is, that's like a research paper kind of stuff. Wow. And a mobster is just simply not going to sit down yeah. and put this together and and say these things. It's like, excuse me. <clears throat> I need to write a letter. You already I know, can't you see the mobster's show. like, Kill can some someone proofread it? I mean, I've got right. <laughs> <That's> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a good seller. Help me out here. Holy. <laughs> Yeah, this case is, I mean, I don't know, like I said, how I missed it, but I was uh, very enthused and well, I was just, me too. I was just, and I shouldn't have in laughed shock when I was over talking this, about this sawdust crazy case. Honestly, it's horrible, but it's almost like I'm laughing just because I can't believe how much evidence there is and, and just how brazen and how arrogant she was. And then to think that she wasn't she was going to get away with this. And you know, something else that came across today that was on some of these videos on YouTube. Um, she had kept these kind of fascinating and creepy videos of herself. Now she called them. Um, yeah. She called them video diaries. Did you watch any of those? The diaries. And, and, but yeah, like today we would call them vlogs, right? Yeah. But she was sort of I vlogging did. her experience being on trial and you know it's funny she's so good that there were parts of it where I started to really feel sorry for her because I could see how much stress she was under but then I realized I'm like wait this is a cold calculated murderer and she is a danger to society because I mean you know part of the reason why you put people away is because for punishment well supposedly it's supposed to be for um what's the word when you're trying to oh rehabilitation but I don't know about that I'm not sure but the other thing but the other thing is to literally get them off the street right i don't i'm sorry i just talked over you the other the main reason is to get them off the street yeah i really feel like melanie mcguire needs to be taken off the streets she would do that again if she got sick of the next guy i mean what would stop her absolutely i mean yeah i'm I mean, I was just in shock at all the evidence against her. I, just, I mean, you know, and 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 the way that they were even attempting to say that she was not guilty, and that that all these weird reasons for all this crazy stuff was just—I mean, come on, <laughs> that's just bizarre. So when I first um, listened to this case, um, I listened to a couple different podcasts about it. And one of them, 
it, it was, and I can't remember who it is, but it's a woman and a man and they talk about it, the case or whatever. And they start talking about it. I guess they're talking about her original story um, about how they were going to, they had just signed off on a house and she wasn't happy because she didn't want the house. She didn't like it or something. And he wanted to move back to New Jersey and she didn't want to because they lived in Virginia. And so anyway, so they're um, talking about the house and then I guess whatever, they fall asleep on the couch because they're tired and they've had a long day. Well, they wake up on the couch and she says to him, I know I've already said this, but I'm telling a story now. She says to him, um, so I guess you're happy you got your way. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, he got your house, the house that I didn't want. And so they start arguing and she gets up and walks away. And so apparently Bill hated dryer sheets. And he grabs a dryer sheet because I, I don't know if, it, I don't know, did you hear the story of what the, what the deal was with the dryer sheets? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sorry about the difficulty. Are you there, Renee? Yes, I'm here. We're back. So now you know why I was talking over you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I was talking over you earlier and I have no excuse. Go ahead. All right. But then, so when I first listened to this case um, uh, on, my, on my trip or whatever, traveling um i was listening to them in the very beginning they start talking about the very beginning like i was telling y'all earlier about her um saying that they were talking about doing it the signed off on the house and then shortly after they fell asleep on the couch and then they wake up and she says to him i guess you're happy you got your way and he's like what do you mean and she's like you got your house you know that you wanted Mm -hmm. and so they start yelling at each other and I guess they get up and walk around or something and so he has this issue with dryer sheets do you know the actual issue with them by the way just that apparently well and this is alleged prosecution doesn't think that this fight even happened and that she's lying and made up these details but supposedly Bill hated dryer sheets but it didn't they didn't they never said why no okay not that I remember Okay, so I'm listening to the story about the dryer sheets, and instantly I just start laughing. So apparently, uh, my husband doesn't like dryer sheets either. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, 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 I guess it's not really that dryer sheets actual, you know, dryer sheet itself that he doesn't like. It's, so when I'm doing laundry, I'm one of those people that I have to finish every process before I can do anything else. So if I'm doing laundry, you know, I put it in the washer and I take it and put it in the dryer, put the dryer sheets in. Well, then whenever I take it out, I always take it and I'll go sit on the couch. And that's probably one of the few times that I'll actually watch TV for a few minutes because I don't like to be doing just one thing. I like to be doing multiple things at one time. So I'll turn on the TV and I'll start folding all the laundry and put it in the basket and then I'll go put it up. Well, I'll forget to go back in the laundry room and all those dryer sheets will fall out when I'm pulling it out of the dryer. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband, when he comes in, he always comes in through the garage 
and through the laundry room into the house. Mm-hmm. So he sees all the, and I say all of them, there's probably like one or two in the floor. But anyway, he always sees the, the one or two dryer sheets from the laundry that I've done in the floor. So he's always like, oh my God, these dryer sheets are driving me crazy. You got to pick them up. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just got through doing the laundry and I was in the bathroom or, you know, whatever. And so this has been going on for years. It's just hilarious. And mm-hmm. so um, anyway, so when this case happens and this, she says, says that he doesn't like the dryer sheets and he shoves one in her mouth. So I had to call and tell him the story. I said, I've got to hear about this case. I said, are you busy? And he goes, no, I'm driving. I said, okay, so I got to tell you the story about this woman that chopped up her husband, dismembered him and put him in suitcases and killed him. And I said, but her story was, is that, you know, and I told him the story and I said, um, but apparently he didn't like dryer sheets. And before I could even say anything else, he goes, okay, you got my attention. <laughs> I was like, well, I won't have your attention very long because he didn't like dryer sheets and he supposedly shoved one in her mouth, but she dismembered him and killed him and threw him over a bridge. And he was like, oh crap. I love dryer sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He was like, I love them. I don't care. Use as many as you want. It was just, it was, it was probably way funnier whenever I, you know, was no. talking to him. We that is funny. Because when I, when I heard that, I just, it just made me laugh, you know, that, that that was a story that she told. So, yeah, we don't know if it's actually true, but it was interesting that, right. that, that was, and it was interesting also that he could even get one in her mouth. Cause if somebody starts walking towards me with a dryer sheet, I'm just going to turn, if they're coming towards my face, I'm just going to turn my face away. You know, I mean, I guess they would actually have to pin me down to get it in my mouth. Right. I mean, I mean, I guess it's possible. There's a few possibilities. She either heard about that happening to someone and thought I'm going to use it for my life for that night that I killed him or that fight actually happened. But instead of it ending with him storming out, it ended with him, with her going ahead and with her original plan to kill him or, you know, it's possible that, um, I thought I had a third thing. Oh, it's possible, I guess, that she just made it up because, you know, they say the more detailed a story is and yep. that being an un- unusual detail too, it sound like, oh, she's not lying. This actually really happened. Yeah. I mean, who would yeah. make that up, you know? Yeah. Cause it's so just strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and detailed. I wanted to see if there was any other stories and I didn't spend a whole lot of time doing looking it up but I did find a story and I just wanted to share it really quick of this woman and it looks like if I'm not mistaken this happened in February of this year but there was this woman her and her husband were drinking and apparently playing hide and seek and it didn't explain who they were playing like if they were playing hide and seek with friends I mean kind of bizarre anyway that adults would be playing hide and seek but they had to be playing with somebody else because they're playing hide and seek with each other then there would be no reason to help him. But anyway, I, I have to explain it so you understand. But anyway, so apparently they're playing hide and seek with someone. And they thought they thought it would be funny for him to hide inside of a suitcase. So huh. he puts him in a suitcase and zips it up. And then she, I guess, just leaves him for a long period of time. Like I said, I don't understand. I don't know who it is that's looking for him. But anyway... Mm-hmm. She videos him yelling, I can't breathe. I'm serious. Let me out. And she's like, that's where all the times you cheated on me. And, and, you know, and how do you, how do you feel now? And, you know, when you were mean to me, smacking me around or whatever. So anyway, she goes to bed and uh, pretends to wake up the next day and be like, Oh my God, 
he's still in a suitcase. And she opens it up and she's like, oh my God. And she calls 911 and tells them the story about how they were playing hide and go hide and seek. And he got in there and they were drinking and she thought he got out, but he didn't. And she, he's not breathing. So they come and, you know, he's dead. And, um, so she tells them a story and they're like, okay, so we need to see your phone. And she's like, oh, okay, here. So she hands the phone to them and quickly they find these videos of her, you know, like, look at you, you know, you deserve it. Cause you did this. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it just, it just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. That, first of all, something so bizarre. Right. Anybody you couldn't, you, I mean, you've talked about being claustrophobic before you couldn't pay me to get a suitcase. <laughs> Oh, heck no. no. There's no way I would even consider it. I would be like, not no, but heck no. But anyway, I just found that so bizarre. That's, that was That's totally bizarre. Well, a friend, my cousin's husband um, was telling us at um, one of the kids' birthday parties one time, a long time ago, he was telling a story about how he and his sister would always do these bizarre pranks on their parents, like just to be silly. And he said one time um, he... Um, got into the trunk and the sister did too I think and then like when they stopped they jumped out of the trunk and they're like yeah I can't believe you make it make us ride in the trunk it's so mean and like made it look like their parents had forced them in there um oh I know <laughs> they just did silly stuff I'm probably telling it wrong but it was something to that effect like I can just see um her husband telling it and he was like we used to just jump out and be like yeah I can't believe you made us ride in the trunk and then people would look you know yeah but, um but yeah, that's I wouldn't do that either. Super claustrophobic. I remember him telling that story and I was like, okay, well, good for you, but I'm not riding in a trunk even if it's the funniest thing that ever happened. Absolutely not. I wouldn't be able to do it for like two seconds. There's no way. Would, just the thought of somebody um just the thought of somebody shutting the trunk and me just even getting close to me. <laughs> it, scary. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it just goes to show that people are just I don't know. They're, they're sick and twisted, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and they really just don't think, I mean, like she thought she, she thought she covered all her bases and she still messed up on every one of her bases. Mm-hmm. Literally. Every and one all of her the, bases, she messed up on them. Yeah. And all the thought and all the planning. And there you are. You know, she's kicking herself. She's like, man, I mean, I would be like, God, I'm an idiot, <laughs> you know? And when she was, when she was interviewed, you know, I think it was like during the trial, she was being interviewed or maybe after the conviction, I couldn't really tell, but she was saying, um, her one regret, I'm sure it was all the things that caught her up with her, but she was making it sound like her regret was that she didn't leave the marriage sooner. She goes, yeah, I I don't think I would be here if I would have just left when we had that one big fight Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. accused of all this. And she's still maintained to this day. She's still Mm -hmm. maintaining her evidence. There was a hearing she went to last year, as recently as 2019, about a year ago, and she was claiming that um, the conviction needs to be thrown out because she had insufficient defense, you know? Yeah, the, there's those two ladies, and they're, I believe they're, they, they introduced themselves as uh, doctors, but they both um, deal in, like... Um, criminal justice type stuff mm-hmm. uh like one of them you know deals with like rehabilitated criminals and so forth and i can't remember what the other one does but anyway they have the podcast and it's um uh so, what is it direct appeal mm-hmm. 
direct appeal. They have a yes, podcast, yes. and so they're the ones that are doing this uh, interview and of her and and talking to her and trying to figure out, you know, and and they're trying to figure out if if they can prove um, that she's either lying or telling the truth. So they're not on one side or the other. But right. yeah, I found it interesting that that they were trying to do that, and it was so recent. They went to CrimeCon, and they said they were going to release. They were going to not really release, but tell. Um, cause the, one of the guys that was interviewing her, he kept saying, and, and who do you, do you think she's guilty? And, and then a few minutes later they say, oh, so you think she did it? You know, like that. And they kept like, good try. We're not going to tell you. She said, we'll tell it at crime con. <laughs> oh, so there you I go. Yeah. What, what they thought, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed um, the podcast. Um, I listened to two of the three episodes and it's called direct appeal. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. And, too. um, yeah, let's see here. Yeah, and they recorded those last year. So I think that um, that hearing sort of got everyone talking about it again. Oh, wait, I take it back. She, oh, I didn't realize this. All of their episodes are about Melanie McGuire. Is it? Interesting. So they're kind of like us. They're kind of like us with, us with Missy Beavers. Yeah, it might be. Not it all of be, them, I but mean, a good, good chunk yeah. of them are about that case. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize I mean, that. I mean, it makes sense that, that they would, you know, try to work towards and I, I mean and I get that I mean I get just thinking about somebody going to prison forever and they're not you know and they're not guilty right. makes you sick to your stomach right. but they said the first time that she would be el- eligible for parole would be when she's 100 yeah like 103 or something crazy like that yeah, I said 100 even but I, I don't know it, either way oh, really yeah matter. well she's it's, yeah she's not getting out unless something really yeah. crazy happens and I don't see that happening yeah, I don't either. I don't see how you could overturn any of this, you know, like you would you would have to come up with just as bizarre reasons for all of this as they are, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But um, so I wanted to ask you what you thought, because I was actually thinking about this today because, you know, we talked about doing a and, and now we're talking about Missy Beavers about doing a um, getting a. I'm sorry, my brain's not thinking of the word. Um, you know, the big signs. Oh, a billboard. A billboard. Thank you. I was like, what is the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so talking about getting a billboard. And then I also thought about, I mean, I don't know how how um, crazy it would be or if it would be something that would be worth doing, but getting like a, a huge banner or a billboard, either one. I know there's just, but there's not very many billboards. That's why I was thinking of a, a banner. But, you know, just getting something that we could get because um, you can get banners and put pictures and all kinds of, you know, cool stuff on them um, just to get her face and her name in front of people that see it every single day. Yeah, that's true. And I also think that maybe some kind of a grassroots thing with the locals, with people of Ellis County, maybe, I don't know if I want people to petition, um, but, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe hold up signs in front of the police department but i was thinking maybe more like um maybe writing letters to the attorney general's office or because i mean the citizens deserve to feel safe in their own community um i don't live down in that area anymore but just people who do i would think would be concerned about their personal safety um the safety of the whole community and maybe contact the attorney general's office and say at what point do the texas rangers step in and take over if 
maybe if a police department is just in over their heads due to lack of experience, not because they have any, I have definitely don't think there's any wrongdoing. I don't think that the police are covering anything up. I know that people gossip about stuff like that. I just don't see that. And I know you don't either, but Mm. uh, there is, there could be the only fault that they have could just be that they haven't done a big murder case more than once every generation. So um, yeah, it just might be time to get some help. And who's supposed, who demands that? I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's even something you can demand. If the family could demand that, if the citizens could get a online petition going and deliver it to, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, what happens? How, what do you do when, when this people, you know, the taxpayers are saying, we don't think that this is the, things are going well and it's no Mm -hmm. fault of MPDs except maybe just not accepting outside help. That's a problem or not handing over the case in the first place to the attorney general's office because they knew that they weren't equipped for it. I mean, updating the public, like, you know, you can Google uh, Missy Beavers on, you know, Google and use the the earliest you will come up with something or the, the, you know, most recent, thing that you will come up with is in I think it's in December of 2019 but from the police it was April of 2019 and I think the December was just an article or uh, maybe someone um, posted an article or something like that I mean you know that would be good to to just update people and let us you know let us know that you're you know still working on the case or that you know you still have someone or several officers that still work the case on a you know consistent basis um and and maybe even like we said release some more information or tell us why you can't release some more information or you know, i don't know but you know what i'm saying just yeah just listen we we've had nothing so. i know and i think that's and why about that, and that's why these drastic ideas pop in people's heads i think about it's time to demand more or it's time to turn it over to the texas rangers the reason people are think, think, thinking and feeling those things is because we're losing patience from not knowing what's going on. Um, right. Any kind of an update would be fine. Anything, just anything. Yeah. And I, I was looking up other cases to see the different things that other people have done uh, to keep cases alive. And that's where, you know, I, I found the information about the billboard. And, and I was kind of thinking about it anyway, because I told you about that case that I seen years ago in Red Oak that, that had a billboard and it had the woman's you know, picture and her grandson and it had, you know, reward or whatever. Um, and it was up for a long time, but anyway, I, you know, I saw that and I, and I read about some cases and then I read about <clears throat> a few that had, um, you know, banners and then, um, some people would make flyers and post them everywhere. So there's all different kinds of, you know, things that we can do. So if, you know, we just don't have the means of paying for, you know, a billboard, but, um, you know, Hey, yes, baby. You, you remember the Christina Morris case mm-hmm. that unfolded, that happened really close to my house. It happened. Yeah. She disappeared from the shops of legacy over here and mm-hmm. there was flyers everywhere with her picture mm-hmm. on it. Have you seen me all? I mean, we would go out to eat there, go to the movies there where she disappeared yeah. and they were everywhere. It was really eerie and it's sad. She was actually found not far from my dad's mom's house. Hmm. When I finally found her, mm-hmm. um, I think I think it was her that wasn't she found like over in Dallas somewhere? I think so. Yeah, that was it. I couldn't remember if it was her or another person, but I wait I a knew minute. You know what? I think that might be someone else because isn't didn't they just never find Christina Morris? 
I'm way outside of my expertise here. I shouldn't be talking about this case because I know almost nothing about it other than, let me see here. I'm looking up really quick. Um, okay. Yeah, they did find her. Sorry. They did. You're right. Yeah. I think it was her that was found. I mean, it was like literally around the corner from, um, cause my mom took me over there. I mean, not like specifically, but we were driving around and she was like, Oh, around the corner is where she was found, you know, whatever. So, right. um, but yeah, I do remember that. And I mean, it was like the, the, the help find me poster or whatever that circulated on Facebook, like pretty much every day. I'm not kidding. Every okay. single day. They that. found her remains in a wooded area in Anna, Texas, which is North of McKinney. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it says here. Well, it must have been somebody else that was found in the area of Dallas that I'm thinking of because it was a, it was definitely not Anna. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. this is it really is. this is really sad because that area is growing. Anna, Melissa, all those smaller towns north mm-hmm. of McKinney because Frisco and McKinney have exploded so much and now Prosper's exploding. So it's almost like people are trying to run away that want don't want the explosion in the population and all the stuff going mm-hmm. on and the traffic. So they're running up there. So now Anna has really grown considerably and it says here that she was found because um excavators and construction people were working to clear an area for a project so that's really sad but that's how she was found goodness sad but yeah you know like you said they they put out flyers there's all different kinds of ways to Mm -hmm. you know bring attention uh Mm -hmm. keep a case you know open alive whatever you want to call it and i just feel like um i mean you know, all we can do is try, you know, that's all we can do is try and, and do what we can, of, of course, in addition to our podcast of trying to keep this case, you know, going and, and in the forefront of people's minds, because that's what gets, that's what gets, that's when tips start coming in. As soon as they, you know, the police have another press conference, then tips will start coming back through and, and people will get the, you know, maybe the, um, what am I trying to say? The, um, ability to come forward with information if they have any you know mm-hmm. i mean that's what we're here for you know it's for somebody to come forward with information that hasn't been given so far not really their opinion on who they think the person oh well my neighbor walks like that more of an actual tip of something that you know that hasn't been given to the police right right so. and 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 you know what's really interesting about missy's case is it's not a disappearance. These, you know, that mm-hmm. was such a brazen murder and, and the murderer left her body right there for everybody to find, knowing that she'd be found very soon. And that's just really strange. Cause you know, obviously the flyers were up saying, have you seen this woman, you know, in the Christina Morris case. So our flyers would simply be saying, do you have any information or, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah so exactly. it's really crazy though, to think about how there's, you know, most of the murders we talk about, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think we both cut out because I heard some some kind of weird noise just now. Okay. Um, I, I was just saying it could also include the reward if oh, there yeah. if there is the one. So we need to find we, out. We, we don't know. <laughs> we need to find out if that re- award, that reward still stands because it's been so long yeah. now. And it's you true. know something, it would be really nice if uh, police would announce that, or if the media would announce that a reward was still in place. Right. I haven't heard a peep about that since forever. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. like since maybe I think it was like a year and a half after it, they said it was still there, but that's been a long time now. 
So. Yeah, we, we absolutely don't know that part. So we're going to try to see if we can find out. I'm not real sure what steps do we have to take to find that out with, you know, mm-hmm. with, um, I mean, I guess maybe we could just ask the police, hey, is, is the reward still valid? I mean, I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to answer that question. Right. <laughs> and know? I tell you what, my sincere hope is that all the silence from MTV, eh, MTV, good grief, I'm tired, MPD, <laughs> all the silence from MPD, I hope it means that they are on to someone and it's top secret, but I'm scared yeah. that that's not what's going on. Um, because yeah. if that's the case, you would think they could come out and tell us that. And that they're not going to tell us who because it's it would be detrimental to the case. But be rest assured we are closing in on someone. That alone would totally be fine. I would be very happy with that information. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to True Crime Broads and listening to us go on and on about Melanie McGuire. And, of course, we're always going to talk about Missy Beavers no matter what. And we hope that it raises some awareness. And if, of course, if you hear anything, please call in on the tip line or call Crime Stoppers and or call MT, M, uh, MPD. Don't call MTV. My goodness. Call MPD. <laughs> and if you hear anything suspicious or think there's some tiny bit of information that you don't think will help, please call it in anyway. You just never know. Yeah. And feel free to give us a shout out. Um, you can send us a message on Instagram, True Crime Broads. Or you can do the same at um, our uh, Facebook page. and um, Or you can also message us which, with an actual voice message on our Anchor, um, our Anchor app. Yes, and, and if that reminds me, if you're an expert on um, anything having to do with true crime with murders or anything pertaining to the Missy Beavers case, or if you knew Missy and want to discuss anything, um, please contact us. We might want to have you on as a guest if you would be willing to do that. And if you don't want to be on it live, we could um, pre-record it and just edit your parts in if you don't want to be on a live podcast. so um, right. or, if, or you can always email us, too. Yeah, we're happy to read um, your comments on the air if you have anything you want to share. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, thank you very um, much for tuning in. Have a good night. Good night. True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee.